2: Another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we are talking about Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Um, I think I got that right. I keep the this movie no, title right. and and Todd versus Dale and of, Ducker versus yeah, Evil. Yeah, like it's I just, they all bleed into my brain at once and then I panic. Uh this <laughs> is uh, was this a, this was a Scott pick? Oh yeah, this was one hundred percent my pick. Oh, okay. no, Scott, yeah. <laughs> so Scott, no, it, uh, it wasn't painful to watch.
1: It wasn't a Kyle pick. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> um,
2: this. So, I mean, I totally get why you picked this. It's a classic movie. It's a great meta horror movie. I, th- I think the biggest thing that jumped out to me this time watching it, I've watched this movie probably like six or seven times. This was a big like. Oh, you haven't seen this yet, and then like making friends watch yeah. it because it's it's a yeah. crowd pleaser film. Man, the CGI moments in this movie do not hold no up at it, all. <laughs> like,
1: I won't. I don't think that even if we did this movie 13 years ago,
2: we'd be talking. The, we, I, about I, I think it we'd probably be like, like the
1: CGI is not great because like yeah. that's yeah. the thing about bad CGI from the like early 2000s era is that it. Looked bad even back then. Yeah, you know? and it's like frustrating. it's not. We just let ourselves believe that it didn't
0: look well, bad. Well, I think there's an accessibility for like filmmakers on a lower budget to still tap into that stuff. So yeah. it's like you get more you get more opportunities to see it even though it's like oh well you still could only afford like this level of CGI yeah. and not like yeah what about the the CGI. eight
1: films to die for I bet if we went back and watched any of those oh. they would look absolutely horrendous, Dude.
0: They looked horrendous but, I, but I think what's yeah. what,
2: what's yeah. egregious in this is like one of the eight films that we did was Grave Dancers which has a giant mm-hmm. CGI head chasing yeah. people at one point oh man like Perfect. that's a great example but I think what bums me out with this one is that like There are parts where I understand why you needed to use CGI on the low budget. What I don't understand is that, like, like let's say the scene where he's telling the story of what happened 20 Mm -hmm. years ago or whatever, and the killer shoves a machete through the girl's throat. I understand that if you're on a long, uh, a short budget, a a low budget, you can't really figure out the way to make that full effect work. But it's like Sam Raimi could do it with five bucks. Well, I was gonna say you could CGI <laughs> the hand going into the throat, but then it should genuinely cut to a practical of like the machete coming yeah. out. The, like, they it's, did like, a lot of practical
1: too, so I they mean,
2: did do a lot of practical. They just lingered on too much CGI effects. And, at and that that
1: kill happened. You see that kill twice significantly. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely avoided thinking too much about that because I thought that was pretty bad. But I actually think that the um,
2: the weed whacker to the face was worse. Yes. But yeah. I mean, I also even think the the CGI when the guy runs into the the branch, like the then it cuts that does what I wanted it to do, which it's like it's just CGI for when he connects. Yeah. And then it cuts to the practical. But even that yeah, the CGI through all of it is not great. But the premise of this movie is so fun. It's so fun. It's so fun. Yes. I think though the opposite of last week. Where last week I thought that the third act was the highlight of the movie. I actually think that this movie's third act is kind of where I lose steam for the movie because mm-hmm. like it stops being fun once it turns into like the revenge and like the burnt up serial killer teenager side of it. I love that we both had burnt up killers in same... I think that it was their left the same side. side. I, I think mean yeah. that's right.
1: coincidental there, guys.
2: Yeah. I just uh the first two acts of this movie where it's just a lot of fun horror tropes and mistaken identity is just so perfect. And, and it is. You know, I mean, wh- how do you get out of that without it turning into a full-blown horror movie? It's well, kind of the same as Behind the Mask where at a certain yes. point- Well, they they were a, a lot
1: more graceful in that yes. movie. Because yes. they could. I mean, it's just a completely different- I think that the the the, the, the storytelling devices that were used in that movie were just- perfect for what they were going to do in the third act but my the, the thing I like about the third act in this is that it is fun it's another it's an add-on to the joke I uh, to the jokes you know like I think that it still continues to plumb the depths of like hillbilly horror you know yeah. um, whatever you want to call that you know hills have eyes Worship Appalachia Appalachian worship. Yeah, uh, Appalachian horror worship. So, um, I I think that there was still You know meat on that bone if you will Um because of the whole I mean, I I've only seen this movie three times now Kyle's now seen it twice Matt's seen it You know seven or eight times. So I I guess that the difference is You know how many times you've seen it, you know, like I but for me I still found a lot of because it's been probably a decade since I watched this movie. I think I watched it right when it came out, and then I watched it with Megan maybe a year later, and she, yeah, she she saw just the tiniest little bit of me watching it. And she was like, "Is that Tucker and Dale?" Like the very beginning, I'm like, "Hell yeah, Tucker and Dale! We're watching it for the show." Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, so maybe it's the fact that I haven't seen it as many times as you, but I think that there were some fun things like the you know, when he does get suited up and they have that battle with the chainsaw and the 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 lead pipe, it's very motel hell um mm-hmm. you yeah. know, I, and I think that it also continues the concept of of um of Dale as a as a character it because it, it, he isn't going to kill Chad right he was yeah. just trying to incapacitate him so they could time up and then give him his his uh, inhaler and I thought that that was I I never really thought that that was such a great you know uh, uh, plan until now um, in this watch but I just think that it's watching it in in a little bit more critical eye it it really is kind of like it's showing that Dale really wouldn't hurt uh, hurt anybody and I think that that is also a little bit of the joke like it's kind of of the final step of the joke
0: Yeah, I agree, because I think that, like, not for anything, but, like, Tucker and Dale don't have, like, character arcs, so to speak, you know? And that's, like, the whole point. Like, they are... They're not dumb by any means, but they're like simple dudes who want to have this vacation home, right? Yeah. So like, well, there's a character for Tucker.
1: His vacation home gets blown up.
0: I mean, yeah, yes. Relatively speaking, (laughs) like, there's no like. I mean, they have to defend themselves, but there's no like, go out and get them or like turn the world on its head. It's like, yeah, it's it's a little defense. It's like a little bit like be on the defense and make sure this house doesn't get burned down oh sorry you know um but
1: one thing i'll say that i that i i would not say that this screenplay as is as good mm. as behind the mask because it doesn't fit together like a puzzle i mean it's great i love this movie but the one thing that they didn't get to maybe it's just in the cut that we have but they are priming you for it that cabin to be where the memorial day massacre occurred and that mm-hmm. they that they, because they, you know, right. that there was, there were serial killer clippings on the wall and stuff. And, um, Chad's sitting in the house of his, like his father, I guess, you know, and, and, and we don't really, they, they kind of like grazed that. And they it was, really would have been funnier if they would have had it be more like, cause he, he goes insane and it's fine. Like, I, I think that that's a, a funny thing for Chad to do. But, it would have just made a whole lot more sense for them to have it be in the cabin. Like, bec- yeah, the, the cabin should have been where they figured out that he. Why did they have that paper falls- on the top of a pile of papers in an old sawmill? It should have been in mm-hmm. the
0: creepy house. But yeah. not a big deal. Yeah, no, no. I, I think that that's I, I I the the third act does sort of make me lose interest, even though like the everything leading up to that. Even though they make the connections and tie, you know tie everything together, everything leading up to that is sort of the same style of joke over and over again. But I think like i I didn't really get tired of it. Like, I think that like maybe I wonder if Matt got like tired of it because it was the seventh, eighth time that he's seen it. But I thought that each time that that happened, it was really fun, and I could have just watched that shit keep happening yeah you know, i, I like, wish there
1: were more kids to die in funny ways yeah. <laughs> like well that's die. what i mean it's how, like, how, how do you something? come to the
0: thought process of
1: like these kids are killing mm.
0: themselves chad's chad's great and i think yeah. that like he's the per- like he's the perfect villain for this right but like mm. i was just like i was just having so much fun yeah like, i just, it just it's just so fun <sighs> that first hour
2: is so masterfully done from like the yeah. first second that they drive past the kids in the car and oh, they're just so looking funny. out the window <laughs> but it's It's shot in the slow motion where they look imposing or like Mm -hmm. the, we got your friend. Oh, (laughs) Why why is that not on a shirt? This movie has been forgotten.
0: My immediate thought was, yeah, why is it not on a shirt?
1: We got your friend. (laughs) friend. (laughs) Him like running with the bees. Like when he cuts the, 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 the... yeah. And he's like, that kid must've been just as, as, uh, As allergic as me or something like that. It was so good. But, Kyle, I I did hear a little...
2: Yeah, I heard a psst.
0: Like someone was whispering to me about their thoughts of the movie. All all these guys wanted to do was be on vacation in their vacation home, so I'm drinking a beer called Vacation Lee. (laughs) Oh, perfect! Uh, Double IPA from my public house, and I burst out laughing at the start of this because I saw Scott grab a little something. I
1: have moonshine. (laughs) Moonshine, Now, my dad gave me this jar of moonshine like five years ago, and for the people that are. Not in the Patreon, uh, HMN podcast uh, hey, patreon.com backslash HMN podcast. Um, if you want to watch us discuss these movies, but yeah, like in five years, I think that this has evaporated more than I've drank it. There's about a, an inch and a half that's down <laughs> yeah. from the top. Um, it, I don't like it, but I, no, uh, but I it like is. it better than PBR because I'm not going to bring that swill into my home. That was
0: where, yeah, that was where we almost, that's where I almost went to, and that PBR that, went to go, we ease would have the been. Of-
1: we would have yeah. been perfect. Uh, also like it would have been amazing if, if when he when Dale brings him the PBR at the end when Tucker is in the in the hospital if he like poured it on his head he's like I hope you feel better now. <laughs> it wouldn't
2: so, have been in Dale's personality but, no, it, would been but funny. it would have but I would have liked it. So the director of this movie has so he he made one other movie 7 years after the fact. Uh, he made Little Little Evil, which was starring oh, Adam yeah. Scott uh, for Netflix. Kind of a Nepo baby. Uh, he's the son of <laughs> Sally Field. Uh, oh, so, Whoa. I remember that was like a thing that Jonathan would bring up where he's like, I like that movie, but I can't stand him talking at panels about how hard it was to raise money for the movie. It's like, your mom- your mom was Sally Field and you needed five million dollars. Like, uh, how difficult exactly right. was it? He, he he needed to
1: do this movie and and he goes, Mom, I need to
2: do this movie. And she's like, go to your room. <laughs> she's yeah. like, I care about this uh, schooling. <laughs> so, so apparently they were attempting to do a sequel and I read, I just pulled this up because I was like, I remember hearing that they wanted to do a sequel for years. I never knew Did what happened. you talk happened about with it on the them. panel? Uh, so they talked about it a couple times on panels. Okay. Uh, so it said that uh, in an interview with Choice Cuts, director Eli Craig expressed his thoughts on doing a sequel called Tucker and Dale Go to Yale, and described it as Goodwill Hunting meets The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. In that same interview, he also said that Alan Tudyk had an idea to do the sequel that would be similar in the tone of uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Um, which I mean, if great. if Tucker and Dale end up fighting vampires, for sure. So here's where the latest updates are. Harhound <laughs> Weekend 2014, cast members Tyler Labine and Alan Tudyk confirmed that the sequel in was in ago. development. In 2016, they revealed that they were still actively developing the project, but they had other commitments. But when asked about the status of the sequel at Boston Comic Con in 2017, Alan Tudyk said the script was written and it was very disappointing and we will probably not move forward wow. so,
0: Bummer. And they look like they're having so much fun they, like, like they they're look like they're having a blast the fucking best time i would lo- i would love a sequel but i just don't i now i i, I, mean, I think like, the time is I want a neither behind of those the mask pitches sequel. really got me i want the me behind very the mask excited. prequel
2: it's not gonna yeah. happen yeah dude when yeah before i was oh man when that was one of the most upsetting kickstarters ever was how little anybody cared about the behind the mask sequel <laughs> Such I gave the money
1: and I, I I think,
2: I think that I thing hit like twenty percent of its goal. Like it
1: was so. Yeah, yeah. I, ne- I must have never gotten charged for it because I sure don't remember getting any perks. Because I, yeah. I think that they were gonna I, do like it was gonna be a before the mask movie and comic book. But if they didn't hit the yeah. thing, they were still gonna do the comic book. But I never saw
0: the comic book. I think they did actually come out with the one though, right? Uh, I don't remember if they came out with a comic. Um, I feel like I can feel like I can see a comic type thing, but I might just be thinking about that. Um, Maybe it was a Justin Osborne poster. Yeah, so I'm
2: reading about the sequel on the Wikipedia page right now and he... The most recent thing they had in there, which I believe was still before the Kickstarter failed. Mm -hmm. But it said in early 2017, director Scott Glosserman explained that the script for the sequel had become dated due to the change of horror over the intervening intervening years. Yeah. And he said the script itself was capturing the mid-aughts period in the midst of torture porn and found footage genres. It had a lot of interesting things to say. Today, that script for that film would almost be like a period piece. And I don't necessarily want to bring it up to current day. Uh, but certain things might just feel too old, depending on how you look at it.
0: Can I can I tell you, can I can I say how you solve that? How yes. So you just make a thi- whether it be Shutter or Screenbox or, or a fictional version of that. You just make that exist. Yeah. In this world, and you make a Shutter exclusive uh, that is before the mask. Yeah, uh, you make this whole like and fucking you put Joe Bob in it for like why why the fuck not like you can do all these things. I'll talk to Scott. Yeah, just treat it.
2: Says. Yeah, just treat it like a I'm right lost here. film that oh. he discovered. <laughs> 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 um,
0: I I just I I mean, there's ways around it, but it's also like I mean, it's got to be tough when you write and put all your energy into this whole thing and the tides completely change and you know that it's not coming back and i like and he went on to go do other things i think he created this thing called gather which was a way for people to gather particular films either online or into their local theaters like he had other ventures that he went off Mm -hmm. to do but um but man before it must suck to do like the kill to kill a mockingbird
1: of slasher movies where it's like that book harper lee never wrote another novel uh, because she could not fucking top To Kill a Mockingbird and so I mean that's I'm not saying that Behind the Mask is a perfect movie but I think that it is damn close as far as slasher pastiche meta movies that aren't scream you know like it's about as close to perfect as you can get without being scream.
0: It is it is. Uh, I completely agree Um, Tucker and Dale has a little bit of that (laughs) yeah (laughs) um i will say i do i do love and i don't think that i mean because here we get we got all the wrong turn movies we get like we don't get a ton of mountain man stuff just for yeah. lack of a better term you know so but the trope that they play into plays so well oh yeah. you know because i think deliver i think something like deliverance obviously had mm-hmm. set the stage just before for that dawn Right. Yeah. Like all, there are a handful that make the, again, the common language like that we had talked about, you know, like they, they exist, but I also love how just like real people they are. Like yeah. they're just, they are just people that want to have this vacation home that they've invested their time and their money and they're going to fucking do it. Okay. I, they're going to do it.
2: This particular their movie though. Kids. I mean, this is the probably the best example of like, Tyler Bean just should be so much more it's, well known it's than he is. It is it's not criminal, fucking it's fair. It's criminal. Like no. he so is sweet, so sweet too. It's, he's ugh. so sweet. He's so funny, and he's so good. Like he's so good at playing the everyman. Yeah, and I it's just, thought that
1: the that that um. What was the, 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 the Ghosts' movie? The ghost oh my show, really? God, the ghost um, show he
2: did was great, Deadbeat. Was it?
1: Deadbeat. I thought yeah. that that, Meg and I watched that every week when it dropped or whatever for the multiple seasons and could have sworn that that was going to be his, like, springboard into, to regular work. Like, not yeah. regular work as in, like, non-genre work, but rather working seeing him regularly uh, yeah, no you know probably in, in stuff across never yeah, in, across medium,
2: embarrassingly yeah. probably the most mainstream successful movie he is a lead in is the first escape room movie like really like and he's i, mean, I heard he's, those movies are fun my oh escape the, room one is a blast Jeanette, it, uh, said it was fun give but it I, not, I did not know he was in it we need another uh six years and then we'll watch the first one but <laughs> yeah
0: all right We'll put it on the calendar Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice.
2: I mean, I think we've said all that we really need to say about Tucker and Dale. The guy, go see it. Tucker and Dale versus Evil. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Scott. So fun. What would you double feature this with?
1: Well, you know, I've been saying behind the mask a lot and I probably would if if I was you know really sitting down to to watch an actual double feature. But um, for the premise of this show, I'm gonna go with Cabin in the Woods because behind the mask is a meta slasher. And you know it's like commenting on slasher movies, and Cabin in the Woods is commenting on Cabin in the Woods movies, which I think this has a little bit more to, in common with. So, All right, fair.
2: Uh, how about you go, fun. Kyle?
0: I I I was gonna say um, Behind the Mask too. We <laughs> talked about it probably just as much as we talked about Tucker and Dale on this episode. Um, so I'm gonna go Wrong Turn two, um, oh, the more God. bombastic and fun one and gorier one of the series. Um, it's it's in the woods. It's fine. Yeah.
2: <laughs> what about you, Matt? Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna literally do the same double feature that I did like five weeks ago when we did Broken Lizard, Club Dread, and say you might be the killer. Um, oh, it's so just good. another great meta. There's it's so hard to do what I would consider a good meta horror film. So this is a good one behind the mask is a good one and i think you might be the killer and cabin fever the other two just like i got a lot of cabin Fever vibes from this or cabin in the woods cabin in the woods like you said but yes cabin fever i think had to
1: have been an influence on they were but because there's a pancake joke
0: yes that that had to have been a nod i yeah the pancake joke was too like that's the first time i caught it because i must have seen this before cabin fever surprisingly um which is, I, I didn't give a, I didn't give two fucks about Cabin Fever. Oh, I've <laughs> watched
1: it for the show and
2: with with Eric J. With Brown. Eric J. He Brown from that. Last we week. were just talking so, about yeah, him he, from last he week. He did yeah. that to us. So Scott, what thing have you read, watch?
0: So I know, um, to? I
1: just want to. So I I watched Shazam: Fury of the Gods. Um, I didn't really. I mean, it was fine. Um, but it it just didn't really have the panache of the original of the first movie plus Zachary Levi gives me the ick now but yeah. <laughs> um, the movie that I should have that I was going to discuss last week because it's about killer animals um, but I decided that I was gonna end our summer up with some pop-punk recommendations but I watched fangs from 1974 because it dropped on shutter and um, that's the snake one Yeah, it's the snake one Yes. yes. oh
0: and my god I haven't finished it I can't wait to hear is, what you say surprisingly
1: fun um it's so outside of my horror wheelhouse but it, it is um charmingly silly all right Absolutely. i
0: think the gas the ga- the um the gas station attendants right uh aren't they uh oh, no the, it's the corner store brother and sister yeah, corner they're stores, stores, but they're me. like
1: incestuous brother and sister they, yeah, I, 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 I can't even take it seriously thankfully because I it's just like fell into un- my thankfully oh wow I just (laughs) fell
0: into my boo (laughs) Uh, Uh,
2: how about you Kyle what is uh, the thing you want to talk
0: about again I'm, I'm between these two shoots so my my Watchability of anything is so limited. I, I'm, I like I was watching like RuPaul's All Stars. Like I was watching uh, all this shit. But to, to to sort of piggyback off of Scott from last week, I'll just tell you about an an album that dropped that I really really like. And it's not. It's actually a. It's a remastered album plus a bunch of demos and re recordings and stuff like that. And I just, I just. Regardless of who it is, I just have to say that if an artist can do that Mm -hmm. if you love that artist if you like any of their music like dig into that shit because so the artist is lady lamb okay and she put out a album probably 10 years ago called ripely pine but even almost you know five six seven years before that she was just recording demos and putting them out and doing small eps and whatever right but if you put out an album, the album's really well-received. You put out more albums after that, and you gain a following. And then this is like a revisiting of that album with remastered tracks plus, like, different takes or alternate versions of that. And I just, like, I don't know. If there's an artist... I More than just the album itself is the concept uh, for anybody who is a music lover, if you can find an artist or if you have an artist that has done that. Um, because there's enough that have, have re explored their own music if there's an artist that does that like listen to it it's so exciting to sort of like hear her revisit tracks and revisit these songs that not only were on this first album but were performed and played and thought of Mm. when she was like 15 years old and like beyond it's just it's just so cool i've been i've been really i've been like really listening you know, like sometimes there's stuff that you put on because you just want to know what it sounds like. I've been actually like listening to it, and it's been it's been really fun.
1: Nice. I love that for you.
0: Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Very nice. <laughs> um. So I
2: read a book, uh, on the flight home. Uh, well, actually, I read most of it in the uh, airport, waiting to board my flight. Uh, and it was a book called Punk USA. The Rise of Green Day and The Rise and Fall of Lookout Records. And it's just a maybe 250-page max uh, oral history of the Lookout Records and the influence that it had. Um, at first, I was like, man, I I don't know about you guys. I hate oral history books where it's just like like nothing but a good time about 80s hair metal is a prime one where it's like, yeah. It'll be a paragraph about what that chapter's about, and then it's just quotes from people. Yeah, that's for not like my thing. Yeah,
0: like I think that the their Legs McNeil with Please Kill Me sort of like straddles that line, and that's probably as far as I go because yeah. other shit like that, it's like uh, not. This, I don't want to be. I don't want to like be a, a shithead, but it's also like I could go on Wikipedia. I could. Yeah. I could just no, go on and Wiki, so, and that's not what I want to do.
2: So what I liked about this one that made it such an easy read is that it's like he is writing a book about Lookout Records. And the quotes are supplemental things to tie his paragraphs together. So I don't think there's a single part in the book where one person's quote is followed by another person's quote. Like it's like, Mm -hmm. here's a quote from Ben Weasel. Here's insight on what Ben Weasel is referencing and this is what's going on. And it's literally just written in order of albums released and like what was happening behind the scenes at Lookout Records and like, how was this really magical place? And, like, the short version of it is essentially everyone kind of knows the story. Like, Lookout Records was this small distribution label. Green Day gets signed and becomes, like, the biggest band in the world, which makes all these people look at their first two albums, and they're buying these two albums, and they're getting an influx of money. But, like, where the problem was was that the label was spending it. Like, that would never run out. But like Mm. at a certain point, there's only so many new Green Day fans every year. So like the sales of those albums kept trending downward, but they kept just signing bands and giving them money and then realizing that they had kind of put themselves in a debt. And what had ultimately killed them was that they put themselves in so much of a debt that they stopped paying the royalties to green day for the sales of those records that were coming in no oh boy oh <laughs> and, boy and that essentially ends up killing the label but it's kind of interesting reading a book where like you you walk away from it and think this label these dudes must have been solid dudes because even the guys who kind of got fucked over like they're like there was absolutely no malice in anything that the guys who ran Lookout did. Like, everyone speaks so highly about them. Um, and there was actually something that jumped out at me, and I wrote it down because I wanted to remember it for my future, uh, was that they they the first band that they ever had to send a contract to, their lawyer was like, you have to send a contract. Like, you can't just do these handshake deals. Like, that's going to come back and bite you in the ass. So when they made their contract for Lookout Records, and this was until the very end, every one of their contracts end it with over and above all of the preceding agreements the two parties agree to work together in the spirit of mutual respect and friendship to the mutual benefit and to resolve any differences and concerns in the most positive way from here on moving forward and i was like i love that sentiment of being like we are going to put in writing in this contract that we will do everything in our power to make sure that this contract does not affect our friendship and our respect towards each other as human love beings. It. Love uh, it. So it was like, I love that. I wrote that down. I'm like, if there's ever a point where Geekscape has to start sending contracts to the podcasters, I insist that this verbiage verbatim appears in that contract. Amen. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, but that was... Tucker and Dale versus Evil, uh, as picked by Scott. Next week, something else is going to verse something else in Kyle's pick. So stay tuned for that. Matthew! <laughs> <laughs>